Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we broadcast. On location, we are in Des Moines, Iowa, as the People's Company Land Expo gets underway later today. Lots of things to look at in this market trade, and we're going to kind of take an interesting uh, trek down the road, especially when it comes to what's been happening within this wheat complex. A little bit of comparison back to 2008. Some of you may be scratching your head remembering all that happened, but it's all going to come flooding back to you in many ways. Uh, the soy complex, we got some summer high going on but it's not our summer highs we're dealing with it's those of south america and we all know a big report comes out on thursday probably the one that weighs the most is these january numbers we're going to take a look at that and a whole lot more in the happenings of today's trade with brian split brian is with agmarket.net so let's start out with this pre-report we've got a numbers coming out midday on thursday with you guys at agmarket.net what are some of your your thoughts as to what we might see in these numbers uh, Susan, I think the main concern um, would be primarily for corn, uh, as, as, at least from the uh, standpoint of what the USDA may do on Thursday. Uh, all signs are pointing towards demand reductions on the corn for uh, for export. Again, we just we don't have sales on the books, and um, we're coming up very soon to the period of time where we should start seeing the inspections for shipment. Uh, shift from soybeans to corn, um, but uh, we have to have sales on the books in order for those inspections to come to fruition. Um, so hopefully as we transition a little bit deeper into the uh, the first quarter, we'll start seeing those sales materialize, uh, although they may be at, at lower price levels. Um, so I, I think demand for, for corn for export is one concern. Uh, another concern would be the corn for ethanol is starting to creep up. Uh, we've seen crude oil go from $130 a barrel earlier this year down to around 70 uh, at, at some of the more recent lower end uh, support levels that we've been interacting with over the last several weeks. Um, and so as you see, energy values continue to uh, to come off highs. Um the amount of corn that we're using to make ethanol, the the stocks of ethanol, um, that is becoming more and more of a conversation. And I don't think it's a secret that um, the fundamental talk about the cattle market has been very friendly. Um, but when you think about why um, the cattle conversation is friendly from a numbers standpoint and from a weight standpoint, uh, that could also uh, point to some weakness in uh, corn demand on the feed side. And and that feed residual number um, from the USDA is always going to be one that is a point of contention because some of it is is what we use for feed, but that residual one is, is uh, just a tough one to, to forecast and explain. Um, so the demand side is going to be one, one point of concern. And then the other side is, Traditionally, when the USDA raises yield in November, which they did this year, they will raise it again in January. Um, and albeit it may be a very small adjustment, could be a, a fraction of a bushel. Uh, but I think if if the demand side is addressed and the supply side is addressed, um, the balance sheet is going to increase for corn from both sides, the supply side and the demand side. Um, and that could be uh, something that starts the trajectory uh, to lower prices and, and usually sets the tone for the first quarter as we start to look at planning intentions. Now, when you look at soybeans, um, again, kind of the same thing on the production side. I'll, I'll address that real quick. 
Uh, again, raise yield in November. Typically, we would see a raise it in January, so that might be a little bit of a concern. Um, exports have been very solid. Um, the the crush numbers are, are solid. So I think for for soybeans, it may be more of a uh, concern about production increasing. Uh, but I think the the concern for soybean exports is going to be coming up. We've had a very good uh, front end loaded program, but it's and, and everybody's been talking about the South American crop and the size of the Brazilian crop. Uh, that crop will be online uh, within the next 30 days to be exported to the world market. And I really believe that as we have that Brazilian fresh soybean crop available to world buyers. Um, that that is where the business is going to go, and our own domestic soybean export program is, is going to take a hit. Uh, so once that happens, I think you have to think about the implications for cash uh, soybean basis. Um, and the areas that, that should hold up the best are going to be the ones that have a strong crush presence. Um, right now, I, I do think we are in the process of making highs for soybeans and the so overall soybean complex. Uh, it's been led by meal, and this is, you know, not a secret. It's, it's the Argentine weather. Uh, but think about when we would domestically typically make our highs for the marketing year might be in that June and July time frame. And um, that is, you know, the period of time that we're essentially in for South America. Um, so I, I think uh, it's, it's very possible that we've already seen the high for old crop soybeans. We did have March uh, fill a gap. Uh, that was a, a remaining upside target on beans. We filled that at 15.28 and a half. We traded almost a dime through it, and then we came back and and uh, went back below 15 rather rapidly. Um, the meal market has hit some major upside objectives. Uh, meal has retraced 62% of the break from the um, the August highs to the October lows. So that was a major objectives hit. Uh, the weekly continuous chart filled a gap that was left from that period of time. Uh, so I think a lot of the upside technical objectives have been hit, and the market may simply just be waiting for the uh, the report to come out Thursday and the fund manager to make their move from there. All right. Well, stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up as we will get ready to hit the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell. We do have a listener question wondering about the feedstuff perspective with this report coming out on Thursday. We'll also take a look at what's going on in this wheat complex. As we do know, especially with the latest crop uh, progress, or excuse me, crop report that came out from the USDA talking about the dryness that continues for so many parts of Kansas. We'll take a look at that, what that's going to mean for this market really going forward. Lots more coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Hey, Tom, I see a Fontenelle sign there on your North 80. That corn looks pretty good. Well, yeah, my neighbors had good luck with Fontenelle, so I decided to give it a try. They've been around for quite a while? Well, sure have. In the last three seasons, Fontenelle's 15 top-yielding corn products had over a nine-bushel advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading volume corn products. Wow, that's impressive. I'm thinking I might add some Fontenelle to my farm. Well, just contact your local dealer or go to Fontenelle.com if you want more information. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here in the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we continue our conversation this afternoon with Brian Split. Brian, of course, with agmarket.net. I want to put a quick plug in. Uh, both Jim McCormick and Brian will be joining me for the weekend report, which you can pick up on all our social media platforms on Saturday morning. We'll probably be diving a lot more into what the numbers of Thursday really had to say. But having said that, Brian, uh, we had one producer with some concerns about feedstuff perspectives um, with these 
grains for his livestock and I'm sure other producers as well. As I watch what these numbers have to say, how the markets are going to react and, and how you move forward and making grain purchases, et cetera, to be able to feed everybody. Yeah, so uh, I think in the first segment, we kind of laid out what would be the concerns for um, for prices uh, getting some bearish information and potentially moving lower. Um, I think if I am uh, somebody that needs to procure feed, uh, I would cling on to those ideas. Uh, and, and if you're concerned about uh, the potential for the report to be a bullish surprise, um, then I would simply use some options in the meantime. Uh, so I, I'd be focused on trying to buy the physical at, at a lower level. Um, and something that's difficult for the, for the, the end user in the Western Corn Belt is, you know, the, the cash market has been a, a different story from what the Futures Board is doing. Um, but uh, I, I think if you can only control the, the board side uh, with, with an account, uh, you can't control what what the uh, the cash market's doing with basis. Um, so if you're concerned about a potential friendly report, uh, I think the options um, have gotten pretty cheap on corn. Um, think about the type of volatility that we saw in, in corn, uh, you know, coming out of summer and into fall, um, and options were trading in in the mid 30s to to close to 40 percent volatility. Uh, that is, has uh, reduced itself drastically into the low 20s. And so I think there's some, some relatively uh, reasonably priced uh, calls that you could buy to cover yourself. They actually have uh, weekly options, too, um, where you could buy a call on, on corn that expires the day after the report if you just want to make sure that, uh, that there isn't some kind of a major surprise where the USDA lowers production or uh, we see the quarterly stocks come in 150 or 200 million bushels tighter than expected. Uh, but I, I think the trend is down. It has been since spring. And I'd be looking to procure physical at, at lower prices. This wheat complex, and I, and I like the comparison um, that you're giving to 2008 because it's been a struggle. And we know, obviously, it hasn't left dormancy as of yet in Kansas. But there's a lot of concerns, and you're hearing a lot of rumblings, I'm sure, as well, as to what's going to happen with this wheat. Yeah, so Susan, I think um, this may be a, a tough pill to swallow for the producer that has wheat and they're waiting for it to come out of dormancy and they've seen the, the growing conditions that the crop has had to endure thus far. Um, but uh, maybe I'm looking at this too simplistically. I just look at the chart of, of hard red wheat. So that again, that's the, the Kansas City wheat. And um, it is tracking 2008 extremely closely. And... Um, if that pattern continues, we could be on the precipice of seeing wheat values take out the August lows, which were in the low $8 value. Uh, and when it did that in 08, um, we saw the market break over $2 in the, in the period of two months. Um, now, the market right now seems to be focused on how much wheat Russia has, how much wheat Australia is going to produce. And um, it's just not really focused on the domestic crop at this point. And, and that'll become a story um, once we come out of dormancy and see what the condition ratings look like at that point. But um, I think it really just behooves the producer, especially if, if you're concerned about your wheat, um, to just carry some puts uh, at the $8 strike price to make sure that by the time we get to uh, the, the crop coming out of dormancy, that, that values have not... Um, reset themselves dramatically in that period of time. 
if anybody wants to see what I'm looking at on the wheat chart, um, feel free to contact me. I'd be happy to send it to you and to just explain why I feel the way I do. There's been, and it's hard to believe we're coming up on a year um, since this whole, having said that, as you look back over this last year and as you look forward, it sounds like they're able to get some more wheat and crops moved out of that Black Sea region. Do you see that continue to be a market pressure for the wheat here in the States? Yeah, I think one of the things that we have to realize is, is Ukraine is not going to get invaded again. They've already been invaded. The Russia's not going to invade it again. The whole hype and the excitement of that event happening and and all of the worst-case scenario uh, outlooks that the market was trying to price in at that point, um, a lot of that um, just didn't come to fruition. We were able to see uh, in July the um, the grain corridor agreed to. Uh, you can reach me directly at 815-665-0463. Uh, you can talk to anybody on the Ag Market team on the general line at uh, 844-4-AG-MARKET, so 844-424-6758. Um, and check us out online. We're, we're going to have a conference in about a month, February 5th and 6th in Nashville. So www.agmarket.net. There's a banner at the top of the page. Click on the banner and all the information for the conference will be there. Lots of great stuff. And just a reminder, the, both Brian and Jim will be joining me for this weekend's report. That is today's Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.